Hi, I'm Gordon. And I'm Fiona. We're from Gate Church International in Dundee, Scotland, and we'd like to welcome you to this week's podcast. Our goal here is growing people to bring Christ into our communities and to see you get connected with God, His people, and His purpose. We hope this message inspires you in your faith journey. Thank you. Matthew 5 this morning, we're at verse 33. Shout if you're with me. Come on, it's a good morning to be in church. Jesus says this, again, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool. Or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes, and your no be no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. My title this morning for your note taking is this, nothing to prove. Turn to your neighbor and say, nothing to prove. Let's pray once more. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. Oh, we love you. We love to gather as a family to declare your praises. Lord, to take our eyes off the storm and fix them on you, Lord. To sing about your goodness. And God, we pray as we open your word this morning, we pray that we would just see Jesus. That we'd see your love for humanity. That we'd see more of your plan for our lives, God. Oh, that we pray that we would not leave this place the same we would be transformed and changed from the inside out, Lord, and take my very inadequacies and the words that I do not have and and take them, Lord, and Holy Spirit, you teach this morning, and you correct, and you help, and you encourage this morning. Oh, we love you, and we thank you. Everybody said, amen. Hey, you can take your seat. Thank you, worship team. We'll get you back up here in a few minutes. Got a bit of a croaky voice this morning. Too much singing. Matthew 5:32. We've come to this part entitled Oaths. And this morning, as I unpack this title, I have nothing to prove. We want to look at this teaching of Jesus, and we want to look at not we'll look at the context of the day, but we want to know how does this change my Monday morning? How does this change how I interact with my neighbor? How does this help my marriage and my relationships this morning? And hopefully some things this morning that I've learned this week that I can pass on and hopefully kind of articulate this morning that helps us understand this passage. Amazing. I've got my notes. By way of means, I'm just trying to kind of get a context of this passage, what Jesus is teaching. I just want to ask a question is who is like a happy naked person? Like who loves just wandering around like, woo, no one's in the house. I hate it. Even if there's no one in the house, like I have to have something on. I just, I'm not comfortable being just happy naked. You know, everyone knows someone though, a friend or a family member that's just like, it's fine. Not me. Not in our household. Doesn't happen. But the thing is, I, I have a friend back home in, in Preston, and um, he loves, 
He's just really happy being naked. I don't know why. I, I just, he's just really comfortable with himself. He's really secure. And, and his name's Johnny. He probably won't hear this, so it's fine. But he'll probably appreciate that I've told this story. But see, me and Johnny used to train together in the gym. We used to be at the gym three or four times a week, kind of following our, our training plans. And, and the thing is, you, if you go to the gym, there's only one reason you go to the gym, and that's for the jacuzzi after, right? Like, like what's the point in doing all this work if I can't go and sit in a jacuzzi in a steam room and relax? Like, it's, it's nil and void. Like, so, so me and Johnny, we would make sure we planned our time to do, obviously, our training and, and everything we need to do, but, but we made good time for a jacuzzi, for a sauna, for a steam room, and, and just to relax. So, so we would do that, and then we'd head back upstairs to the change rooms and, and get a shower. And, and you see, early on, I, I was naive and a little bit ignorant to Johnny, and he's a bit of a practical joker. He, he is that person that kind of just, you've just got to be on your wits, like just every time, any situation, just always, what is Johnny going to do next? What is he going to say? And sure enough, I'm kind of having my shower, I've got my shower gel, and I've got my towel hung up on the side with my swimming shorts, you know, just not a lot of space in those cubicles. So, so you know, you, you, and then open the door and you kind of like open the door enough so you can kind of, you know what I mean? Like, don't all look at me like, you, you know what I'm on about? You don't want anyone else, you just kind of like, Where's my towel? I'll go to the side. Or maybe I've gotten the wrong, look at that, like down a few, just like sneak out a bit. Nothing. No towel, no shorts, just me, myself, and I. And the thing is, like, the showers are a little bit separate from the change rooms. The change rooms are pretty big, the lockers, and, uh, and you've got a decision to be made, haven't you? You're like, what do I do? Like, I can't stay here all day. Johnny's nowhere to be seen, and so, so you do this like the walk, right? The walk, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Go and uh, find him, and he's just, all right, just drying himself. Towel's there, shorts, shorts are there, and I grab my towel, and I'm like, I'm going to get you back. But you don't know how, you can't get him back, because he's just, he's just so comfortable. But the thing is, the reason why I tell this story is, there is a point to it. It's not just a, for me to process and a healing process. We find ourselves in life feeling metaphorically like this, don't we? Where we, we feel like we come up short. We feel like we, we're not valuable enough. We feel like we, we don't have what it takes. And we find ourselves going around like this. And we find ourselves making promises and oaths and coming out with things that we cannot fulfill just in an attempt to try and cover up, just in an attempt to try and prove ourselves. We say things like this to our friends, oh, I promise that, that I'll be able to do that. Or I swear that, honestly, I, I, I can do that. And what are we doing in those moments is just trying to make up for our lack in our words. We're trying to prove ourselves, build something of our own reputation. And, and we say things like, I swear on great Aunt Bessie's life. And like, who's, what's great Aunt Bessie got to do with anything? And, and, but I grew up in a Christian family, so I didn't, I didn't swear, I didn't say that because I'm not allowed to but it's really interesting because I never really understood why I knew that my mum and dad taught me I can't say for God's sake I can't say I swear I just knew I couldn't and I, and I don't it's not in my vocabulary but I've never really understood why and and you come to this passage and I understand why now because you see whatever we say is not hidden from God God in season he is all and see, in an attempt for us to try and make ourselves more serious, for you to try and understand how serious I am about what I'm going to tell you, I'm going to call in like a third party. I'm going to, I'm going to say things like, 
oh, I, I, like, I'm sure, like, I promise I will never, honestly, I swear on God, bringing someone else into it, bigger, more serious, in an attempt that hopefully you'll believe what I have to say, in an attempt that hopefully you value me enough to listen to what I have to say. And Jesus says, hey, stop it. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. You don't need to try and use big words. You don't need to try and set yourself up to be something that you are not. And you see, the spoiler alert is this, where I'm going this morning, is that I am the righteousness of Christ because of the work of Christ on the cross. I have nothing to prove. And when we find ourselves taking oaths and promises, it's in an attempt to try and prove ourselves. It's an attempt to try and impress our bosses or our friends because we feel lack and, and, and insecure in our identity and in Christ that we feel we have to come out with these big, bold statements. Context of the time was, was it wasn't against the Jewish law to take an oath. And an oath is like a promise, but what you do when you make it an oath in the, is, is you call God to be your witness. So, so the Jewish law said like the oath isn't, in itself is not a sin, but you, you have to fulfill it because the Lord's heard you, the Lord's seen, you need to do what you say you're going to do. But the problem was then is that the, the Pharisees took this teaching and thought, well, well, if I don't bring God into it, I'm okay. Like if I'm just promising something on myself, God's not in, it doesn't matter. And Jesus says here, he said, no, no, don't take any oath at all. You don't own any of this. So you cannot call it in to be your witness because it's not yours to call to be your witness. And, and he says, just let your yes be yes. He's talking about integrity. He's talking about being reliable, doing the right thing, being who you say you're going to be. When you say you're going to be there, you be there. For us as, as Christ follows the church in the series Mind the Gap, it's about what we profess in here is what people see out there. You know, is there a gap between what we say in here and the truth we tell in here, but the way you do your company expenses? Or is there a gap between what we say in here and what we read in the Bible and how we talk with our Christian friends, but maybe we don't follow through on that friendship or say where you're going to be? What does it look like when a community of Christ followers understand the value of integrity and start to apply it? And their yes starts to be yes, their no is no, and that when a Christian says they're going to be there, they are there. What does it look like for the world looking in for the church when we are who we say we are? Not because of any of my strength, but because we are walking in the Spirit. We are alert to what the Spirit wants to do inside of us every day. There's this quote, that, there's a leadership quote that says this, when you have integrity, it's all that matters. And when you don't, it's all that matters. When you have integrity, it's all that matters. When you don't, it's all that matters. Integrity is key. Integrity is the soil that when the seed is sown, produces fruit. When we are integrity, we have a, a soil ready to re receive seed, whether it's the word of God, whether it's an encouragement, whether it's a situation or an opportunity at work. When we are integral, integral in who we are, it provides a soil to produce fruit. I've got some things to write down this morning that I hope and pray help us as we look at this passage. Number one is this, don't promise, just proceed. Don't promise, just proceed. I've got them, got them on the board this, this week, so classic school teacher. Don't swear by anything, follow through on everything. Don't promise, just proceed. See, all of the earth 
and the fullness of it is the Lord's. And all who dwell in it belong to the Lord. So who are we to think that we can go and call God or, or swear by something that isn't ours? Like, who are we? Like, like the situations that I got myself in a kid where, where I, would, I would go and, like, verbally buy something and not have any money and have to go to my dad and be like, oh, by the way, dad, I've just committed to buy that. Can I have some money? Like, like well, that's what we do, isn't it? We, we, we promise, we make promises, and we call into things that are not ours to call in. We don't own it. We don't belong to it. It's, we, we do belong, but we don't own it. It's not ours, not our ownership. We can't swear. We shouldn't swear by anything at all. We just should speak with truth, yes and no. See, see, the devil is called the father of lies. And remember when Jesus goes into the desert, and what does the devil say to Jesus? All of this I will give to you. Well, well, that's interesting because that ain't yours to give to me, devil. Uh, but similarly, like, like all of this, is, is we're called to steward what is God's. We're called to steward it. And in our words and in, our, in what we speak, I think we need to be more people of action than speech. We need to be more people that just do and act and proceed rather than making these promises. Rather than saying, I'll be there, I'll just be there. Rather than promising to be, you know, do what we're going to do, just do it. We live in a non-committal society. You see, when I organize to go and play football with my mates, four o'clock on the dot, Home from school, uniform off, football kit on, to the park. I'll see you there, right? No mobile phone in my pocket, nothing. Jumpers down for goalposts, let's go. Four o'clock, I need to be home by half five and my dinner, I'll be there. You see, now the society is this. Ten minutes before I need to be somewhere, I can just text you. And because I feel like I've communicated I can't be there, then I'm fine, right? Don't look at me like that, we've all done it. Don't quite feel like going to that meeting. Don't quite feel like going to small group this week. And we bail out. We bail out in a non-committal society. What happens when we just stop promising and we just proceed? We stop saying what we're going to do and we just do it. On a more serious note, stop telling people you're going to pray for them and pray for them. Stop telling people you're going to meet them for coffee and meet them for coffee. We need each other. We need to walk in community. We need to help each other. We need to be people of our yes and of our no. This is not about a preach about over stretching your capacity and being everywhere. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about yes, be yes, no, be no. Number two, tell the truth, not the tale. Tell the truth, not a tale. Lies bind us, truth releases. The Bible says that truth will set you free. How often do we tell lies, like I said, to try and cover up our inadequacies or to, to cover up where there is shame, to cover up where, where we think that because of what we've maybe done, they're not going to love us anymore, so we tell lies. But the thing is, lies just lead to more lies, more lies, more lies. There's no such thing as a white lie or a small lie church. A lie is a lie. It's not the truth. And God calls us to be people of truth. He tells us to speak the truth in love. How are we doing with that? Like, how, how reliable are you to your word? How trustworthy are we? How many lies do you tell? Even just those lit, little ones, as they say. Because the thing is, if we don't check and we're not careful, the little lies take root. 
and they start to bind us up and we're trapped because we don't know who knows what about what. Don't know what I told them last, so now I'm trapped. I'm enslaved to the lie, but when we just tell the truth, it just releases us. It just brings freedom. You know, maybe I messed up over there, but forgiven, let's walk this through. I got a message off a friend, close friend this week, which just blew my mind because he just texted me and just said, hey, like, just, just want a bit of accountability. He went to a, um, a staff thing and, and just had a few too many drinks, just accountability. No, and you know what? That opened up a whole conversation between the two of us, like, how are you doing? Just, just that bit of truth, just the fresh air. And we had a brilliant conversation. We were just able to journey some stuff together. Hey, I've been struggling with this. Yeah, me too. And we've got a safe, accountable, trustworthy relationship built on just being truthful and honest. When we look at Genesis, Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve go and eat, or Eve goes and eats the apple, and man falls, as we call it, and sin entered in through the first man. And they go wandering off, don't they? And what do they try to do? They try to hide from God. And we laugh and we look at it and think, how do you hide from God? How do you think, but if we're all truthful, how often do we find ourselves trying to hide from God? How often do we find ourselves just trying to just avoid accountability? Don't go to church. Don't speak to that person because I'm, I'm just trying to hide from God. And God's just saying, hey, I love you. I want to speak to you. Hey, I want to redeem you. I want to restore you. Hey. And, and, and Eve, Adam's like, didn't think you'd. And God's like, I see you. I see you. But what did God do in Genesis See, they tried to cover themselves up with fig leaves, right? Like me, without my towel. And, and, and the Bible says that it was insufficient. So what did God do? He provided a covering for them. And there we see, in Genesis 3, the beautiful picture of a sacrifice where blood was shed and a covering was provided for his people. And now we can be people of truth. I have nothing to prove. He's paid the price for me. I'm not going to tell you the tale and why, and then I slipped, and then, and then you'll never guess why. I had to change my third shoelace for the day because just tell the truth. You're five minutes late to a meeting, just tell the truth. Like we all do it. We're all late. We're all, I am the gross overestimator of my capacity. I am the king of thinking what I can achieve and the king of underestimating the size of a task. Ask my darling wife. All right? <laughs> I am the king of overestimating my capacity. And maybe today this passage for you is about going and looking at your week. And it's maybe not a sin issue, it's a capacity issue. And it's a commitment thing that's, that's creeping in because you're overstretched. Over and you need to re- just eliminate some things that you can tell the truth and not the tale. Because your capacity allows you to be where you say you will be. Number three. Take a little sip of Scottish water. Work less, worship more. Work less, worship more. Stop striving for success and rest in righteousness. Jesus teaches, see the Pharisees wanted to always like outdo each other with their words. Always wanted to be top dog. Always wanted to try and like one up each other in a conversation. Always wanted to come away from a a gathering being, you know, the, the big cheese. Where's that phrase even come from? Big cheese. So random. But we do it, don't we? We're obsessed with trying to earn it. Obsessed with trying to work our way up the ladder in our jobs. And I'm not getting at hard work this morning. That's not what we're saying here. 
And when I talk about rest in righteousness, I'm not talking about binge watching Netflix for three days straight and not having a shower or getting changed. It's not cool, church. But there's some really, no, I'm joking. We try harder, don't we? And what we do is we start making oaths and promises in an attempt to try and prove ourselves, to try and work our way up try and work our way in our status in a relationship between either a leader or a boss or somebody that, that you really kind of respect and you want, you want their approval. So you try and work, 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 strive more, do more. And the problem is we overstretch ourselves and then we don't turn up where we need to be. Just in an attempt to try and work and earn something of our value. We don't need to try hard and make any bigger statements. We need to just rest in his rhythm. Let our yes be yes. Be people of truth. Be people that experience love through us by us just being reliable. Just being a good person sometimes. Says a lot, doesn't it? In a society, in a culture that is just in so many ways broken. We worship more. What do I mean by that? I'm not talking about breaking into Amazing Grace in tomorrow's board meeting. I mean, try it, see what happens. I'm talking about just, just where's your focus? Worship just simply means to add weight to. Like, what are you adding weight to in your week? Is it your work first or is it God first? As we worship more, we put him front of center, we can rest in what he has already done and we can be people of truth. We can be people who are to our word without having to make these reckless promises just proceed and act see Jesus didn't come to to prove himself he was God he came to fulfill his promise he didn't to prove anything to anyone but he loved us so much that he came and fulfilled his promise and if I was to illustrate like this where's where's Areri come on bro give Areri a little round of applause You see, the Bible says that he came. Come on, bro. Maybe slip the trainers off. What size feet are they? Bro. Areri's the coolest kid. Love Areri. But you see, it says that he came to fulfill the law. And, and sin was in the world, so Jesus brought in the law, not the other way around. The law didn't cause anyone to sin. Sin started in Genesis. The law came to try and help us understand what is right and not right but you see the thing is if this represents kind of the law and righteousness Areri can do all he wants by the Ten Commandments and he can't he's not having it because we always fall short we can't make it on our own we can't strive but you see Jesus came down and he said that he fully filled the law the commandments the law the Old Testament it points to one person and his name is Jesus. It points to perfection, not that we would strive, but that we would see the love of the Father to send his son to come and fully fill out the law. He was blameless, he was perfect, and he took himself to a cross. He was not murdered. He laid down his life for you and I. He fully filled it. Didn't tell a lie. Didn't come and try and prove anything. He just came and did as he said and the word of God said he would do. 
That the promise started with Abraham and now the new covenant is for you and I, neither Jew nor Gentile. Modern day, black, blue, yellow, whatever, you are welcome in our church. You belong here because God loves you for who you are because he made you and he fully filled the law. But then, then what? Then what? Take it off, bro. Take it off. Romans 5 says that the law was powerless. Could not achieve it. Didn't set us free from sin. In fact, it enslaved us even more because we just realized how far from God. And Christ said, let me go to the cross. He said, bro, let me go to the cross and let you take on Christ it says put on Christ the Bible says and you are the righteousness of Christ I'm covered I have nothing to prove I'm not even going to attempt to put this on I'm hoping you get where I'm going with this if you listen to this online there's a grey onesie on the stage <laughs> what's happened Areri cheers bro you can take that with you bro I am the righteousness of Christ. See, I think when we see this teaching, Jesus saying, hey, let your yes be yes, no be no. He was pointing to the cross to say, I'm going to fulfill every promise in this book. I'm going to do everything that was promised so that you don't need to worry about making any promises. You can just rest in righteousness. Put on Christ, the Bible says. What does that look like when we go into our workplaces, our schools? our home life, our sports teams, drama clubs, insert any hobby, activity, coffee drinking, it's definitely a hobby. What's it look like when we put on the righteousness of Christ, we walk in that. I want to read you one more verse and I'm done, I promise. It's in Romans 13, again, I think it should be on the screen. Romans 13, verse 8. This is Paul writing. He says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not cover. And whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. It doesn't lie to its neighbor. It doesn't overpromise to its neighbor. Their love does no harm to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this. Understand the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently, as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality, debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Verse 14, here it is. Rather clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nation. I have nothing to prove. Put on Christ. You see, condemnation says... Who are you? Condemnation asks, who, who are you? 
The devil says, hey, who do you think you are? Conviction says, remember who you are. There's a difference. And now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Or is there a gap maybe where you're trying to prove yourself? It's, it's, it's probably like all good intention at the start. It's not necessarily a bad seed, but it's taken root. Constantly find yourself exhausted, just striving. Constantly feel like you've got to kind of prove that your dishwasher's better and faster than you. Like we joke, but it's true, isn't it? Like that feeling to, I need to tell you how much better maybe I have it. What does it come down to? Trying to prove ourselves, trying to, trying to achieve worth. Jesus said, I've, I've paid for you. I bought you at a price. Just put on Christ. Rest in his righteousness, church. Go into your workplaces, speaking the truth. You who you are, because he said, I am. You are who you are is because of who he is and was and is to be. Same yesterday, today, forever. Put on righteousness. Don't just carry it around with you. Just kind of like half in, half out. Well, I'm kind of carrying it around. I've kind of got it in my side when I need it. No, no, put it on. Maybe today's the day you just draw a line. You're like, I'm in. I'm all in. I'm not lukewarm. I'm all in. To live a life holy, blameless. It is the righteousness of Christ that when the world sees my example and looks in on our worlds, something about them. Something about them. Something about the way they love other people points to something bigger than themselves. Let's pray, church. Why don't you stand to your feet?